your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, everybody? Today, Riverside is being funny. So, you know, hopefully this episode goes as well as we've planned for it to go because um, we're ready. We're prepared. We're if ready. technology would just, you know, every once in a while, just do its part, yeah. that would be that would be awesome. Hey, we've got we've got a fan favorite. We've got an episode that we are excited to release for you guys, a kind of a part two or just like a, a deeper conversation with a guy named Mickey Kennedy, who's a PR expert. And I can't wait to jump into that conversation. But like we always do, let's kick it off with an icebreaker. Let's kick it. Ice, icebreaker. All right, Mickey, here's today's icebreaker question for you. Simple, a simple one. What is one of your favorite places to be? Where is one of your favorite places to be? Um, I have a uh, park that's near me. And there's a place up in the park where there's like, I don't know, about 10 acres of pine trees, which here in Maryland, pine trees don't really grow, but someone planted them a long time ago. And it's always really cool. Um, it's a place I've taken my kids several times and said, if I ever die, this is where you can throw my ashes <laughs> and I'll be fine. So. That's so cool. That's that was So I live amongst pine trees uh, here in Texas. And I was going to say my favorite place to be is really anywhere with a hammock. I, there is something about just like that weightless feeling of like kicking your feet up in a hammock, no matter where it's at, just listening to the breeze, maybe reading a book that for me, that's, that's my favorite place anywhere. There's a hammock. Yeah, that's a good one. I was thinking about mentioning, you know, Colorado Springs cause I just got back from a trip there and it was beautiful, but I think really my favorite place to be is on stage. Playing that the is guitar. true about you. I, yeah, I love that. That is a favorite place to be for sure. That is a place I would like to get more comfortable being. I would yeah. like to do more speaking engagements. I've done some. I've got one planned for. Actually, I have two planned in the next couple months, and it's still a little bit out of my comfort zone. So, John, maybe you can give me some tips about there we go. stage comfort. There you <laughs> go. Quit caring. Uh, yeah, that's that's what it always comes down to. All right, guys. Well, if you missed episode one. Well, I say episode one, our first episode together yeah. uh, from season one. Today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about kind of just the world of PR, how it's evolved. And we're really going to kind of deep dive into Mickey's personal story, his business, some of the things that he's doing to see his growth business grow. Uh, it's always fun to talk to business owners and kind of just be like a fly on the wall and understand like what's working, what's not working. Uh, so I look forward to that. To give him a formal introduction, Mickey Kennedy is the founder and president of E-Releases, the small business leader for press release distribution, and they are now celebrating 24 years in business, which is just incredible. He's an expert at helping small businesses increase their visibility and credibility, and he's here today to share some valuable insights. Mickey, welcome back oh, to the thanks show. Thanks for having welcome me. Back. Yeah, man. It's nice to uh, it's nice to have a repeat guest. I think this is our first ever bring yeah. someone back from from season one. So I look forward to this conversation. So how about you just catch us up a little bit, specifically in the world of PR? Like, has anything like 
AI has really started to like emerge its little head since the last time we had a conversation. I, I, uh, I think what's changed? ChatGPT. Uh, everybody is <laughs> right. obsessed with it, um, and I, we get a lot of clients that are saying, "Can we write press releases with ChatGPT and send it out?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." Um, you got to remember, generally, a press release that goes out, you're looking for a journalist to turn it into an original article. So that's the goal. Uh, having the press release out, it gets duplicated and syndicated on other websites anyway. So Google discounts the, the, the content for the most part. As long as Already. it tells a good yeah. story and, uh, you know, it, it's fine. And if this is a tool that you can use to get your story out, um, I think that's really great. One of the things that I think I'm going to spend a little time on is uh, having written press releases with ChatGTP is how to do it. And it's going to take a series of prompts. And you, at, the, at the beginning, you kind of have to know what the story is. What's the angle that you're going for? Because if you don't have that, right. it'll write something, but it's not going to be like what I would call newsworthy. Uh, so again, you know, you'll, you, will, you will have to come prepared a little bit for what you think would be a good angle or a good hook. And, and then use mm -hmm. ChatGP to, to write it. I mean, uh, I had a project manager who said, hey, we're paying somebody a few hundred dollars a month to write blog posts for you. Uh, how about we use ChatGPT? And I'm like, I don't know. So he, he did it and he said it was like pulling teeth. He says, let's just pay, continue to pay for it, you know, yeah. <laughs> because we're wanting like 2,000 word blog posts. And he's like, I would tell you know, chat GP, write a 2000 uh, word blog post. And he said, give up after 300 words every time. Um, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and also it just, it was really good at organizing what a blog post should be, but the actual writing it, uh, he found a little tedious because you had to go segment by segment, but that's also the same approach yeah. you would use for writing a press release, you know, uh, True. you know, give yeah. me a killer uh, opening paragraph. Give me a paragraph that includes a you know, amazing quote by me, the founder mm -hmm. or somebody like that. Um, so, you know, as long as you put the good prompts in, I feel like the, what you get out of it is, is, is good. And I've been pleasantly surprised with the quality of the writing. Um, it, yeah, I, I did plug the blog posts that my project manager put together into a few AI analyzers and they came out as being written by AI. There was like 11% human and 9% human. Like, so I don't know, I, I said, yeah, I still don't feel comfortable putting that on my website because I think that Google is a lot smarter than these free AI checkers. And if, a, yeah. if, if Google decides that they're going to value human content over AI content, which seems to be in line with everything about them, their integrity, you know, yeah. things with backlinks and stuff like that. I think that it probably is something where you don't want to necessarily load up on a lot of copy on your website that was written by AI. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think that you, you've kind of hit it on the head a few times. I mean, what you put in is what you will get out. If you just ask it, write me a blog about social media, you're going to get something that's definitely AI written. I mean, yeah, bottom sure. line, uh, if you can put a lot more in there, hey, follow this format. You know, hey, I want you to write a blog post that's 750 words. It mm. includes an intro, a hook, a quote, a statistic, three bullet points, and a call to action. Mm. And I want it to cover the importance of TikTok on the state of influencers you're going to get a good blog post because there's a lot of people that are using AI uh, kind of really quickly and they think, oh, this is so fast. I can just put anything and I get something. They're not taking that extra time to be marketers and right. really put in kind of the, the craftsmanship that we would put if we were writing it ourselves, right? right? So mm -hmm. it's really interesting to, to see ChatGPT evolve. Like it's pretty – it's fascinating obviously. Yeah. And it, I will say for myself, 
it has made a huge impact on how fast I'm able to turn around projects, mm-hmm. uh, not just from a con- like content delivery for a client, but more so like helping me conceptualize ideas or getting out proposals faster. Like I've seen it make a huge impact in our business in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that I kind of, I think is a perfect like little piggyback question to this conversation is what kind of mistakes do you see small businesses make when they're doing press releases for themselves, when they're writing it themselves, when they're releasing it for themselves? Like what, what are they experiencing? I think that a lot of uh, people look at press releases that are already out there. They might look at what competitor or somebody in another space Mm -hmm. and see what they're sending out and not realizing that 95% of the press releases that are being sent out aren't resulting in earned media. So if you're following someone who their press releases aren't working, you're going to probably come up with a press release that doesn't work. So I think the, you know, the, the, the thing that I would always advise people to do is try to think of the fact that journalists are storytellers. Um, they like a story arc, um, build enough stuff mm-hmm. in the press release that they can, uh, you know, conceptualize a story. If you're doing a product launch, don't just list the, here's our new product and a list of features, include a case study. Uh, what was the results that person experienced? Get a quote by that person. Now, all of a sudden, you know, that's more of a story arc that you can build out. Here's a new product. Here's someone who used it. These are the results they saw. Um, here's the features. Here's a great quote. Um, that, that's, that's more of a complete article or story. And so many people mm-hmm. don't realize that they're writing it from, we just want exposure, promote this, promote this without thinking that journalists aren't in the business of just promoting for free. They're in the business of telling stories. And if you don't have the elements of a story, it, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, a press release for a, for the sake of a press release is really just vanity. Right. If you don't have an end goal in mind, <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah, I think that that's what I've seen a lot of businesses that are like getting into the world of PR. They're thinking like, oh, we're going to just make this announcement. Like, oh, we we launched this or we did that or mm-hmm. we celebrated this milestone. It's like, great. Like you could have just put that as a blog post on your website or yeah, posted a status so on Facebook. Like I'm not saying that that wasn't news or noteworthy, but if you're not pitching it in such a way that someone would want to celebrate it or that someone would, would want to write a story about it, like like you said, like those yeah. these – these writers, they're trying to get more views just like just like any other brand or any other business. And if the story is not shareworthy or noteworthy in a way that they're going to be able to f- spin it to something that's going to get, mm-hmm. you know, high engagement, then they're likely not going to they're not going to write it. They're not going to promote it. So that kind of begs the question, I mean, how in the heck do you and this is obviously where you guys like come in, but like how do you guys write it in such a way that like truly is speaking to a, I mean, do you pick out a writer beforehand and say, Hey, let's write this as if we were writing it to them mm. to pick this story. We up? usually match the writer with the industry that the person's coming from. So we have uh, writers that are really good for women's interest, uh, fashion. We have some that are more technology oriented, uh, consumer products and things like that. So uh, we do try to match by, by industry, but, you know, occasionally we'll have uh, people come in and they're, they're really specific about what they're looking for. And so we just try to match them with the writer that we feel would like to be the best fit. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you touched on something like briefly earlier, which was like quality of content and like backlinks and things like that. How does PR impact SEO? I mean, do they play hand in hand? They do. Um, so uh, when you get articles written about you and they're unique original articles, uh, that, you know, is a, is a bona fide news site 
And if they link to you, that is a great link. But if they don't link to you, Google still gives you credit. Uh, Google has patented uh, this authority thing where they say, contextually, we can tell this article is about this company. So we're going to give them an implied link credit. And so it, it really does help you. Um, I had a client who the only reason they wanted to do PR was to get auto industry links. And um, uh, they had a new website their old one went dark. And so we got about a dozen uh, auto trade publications to pick them up. And after struggling for a couple months with a new website, uh, within six to 12 weeks, they were ranking number one in their area when people were doing a search for them. And so, wow. um, yeah. and, and in, that, in that case, about half of them linked um, to a page on their website about a survey or study that they did. And the other half didn't include a link at all. But, you know, the uh, it, it showed and it stayed uh, over time. Yeah. And it was actually an SEO person who reached out to me and brainstormed with me, what could we do to get links for this person, ideally in the auto industry? And so we did a survey or study with them. That's really smart. See, like, yeah. I just, I love that angle, right? Like, again, you created a value piece, value heavy piece of content that people in the industry would want to share and would want to reference and you built a whole backlink strategy based around right. that, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's like why in the world of like, I'm going to bring up HubSpot, for example, for a long time there, they were really heavily promoting like pillar content, right? Like creating long form content on your website that specifically covered like a broad term, but really became like the, like, like this is the source for this information, right? So like the ultimate guide to podcasting for your small business, right. right? And that would be this long form, like here's the things you need, here are the tools, here's how you monetize, like just this jumbo blog. And then that then links out to all the other content with inside of your website with all these like micro blogs specifically about individual components. Well, then if you take that and you put PR on top to just fuel the fire, right? And say, hey, there's this website that has like, the most valuable information about X, you're going to see success naturally. Right. That's, mm -hmm. I love that. I actually like to be completely transparent here. I've never thought about how I could use press releases to connect the SEO mm -hmm. dots. So that's, uh, I'm adding it to my tool belt and I'm going to probably try that on a few client projects. Cause I, I legit have never thought about that. So, mm -hmm. okay. So we've talked obviously in this short 15 minute conversation we've had here, we've talked about PR. We talked about that on the last time you were here, but I think we're going to kind of, obviously well, I'm sure PR will get brought back up here, but I want to, I just want to deep dive into your business a little bit. So you guys have been in business for 24 years, Correct. right? So I'm sure you've hit some, you've hit some low spots. <laughs> you've hit some hard walls. You've eaten ramen. I mean, that's a part of the entrepreneur right. journey. So can you kind of just take me into like an insight into kind of what that journey looked like. And then I'd like to kind of deep dive into some of the things that you're doing to see success in your own Great. business. So when I started, I, I didn't like being told what to do. So I knew I wanted to work for myself and I was energized and I loved it, but it started to get, I was working 60, 80 hours a week as all I did. I actually had a business phone. Uh, we had landlines back then and, uh, I had a business phone by my bed, and if someone from the UK called in the middle of the night, I picked up the phone and answered it uh, like I was up. Wow. And every, every dollar I would take, <laughs> you know, I said no to nothing. And uh, 
I, I, I really felt like I needed to hire someone, but I was afraid, you know, being responsible for their salaries and what if we had a down month and things like that. So I ended up hiring someone, uh, but I probably should have hired someone six months before that. And uh, <laughs> it was an adjustment. And then I started hiring a few more people and I just had terrible turnover where uh, people would stay on average a year and just leave. And I was part of a marketing mastermind. I was always complaining about, I don't like my staff. They never stay. It sucks. And finally, an HR uh, person there uh, who was a consultant for big companies said, look, I don't work for small businesses, but as a favor for you, I'm tired of you coming in here, spending your time in a marketing mastermind talking about something that I can solve probably in a few minutes. <laughs> so she, she offered to interview my customers, interview my staff and figure out what the problem was. And she came back and said, the problem is you. Uh, you are oh. a micromanager. You want everything perfect oh. and everything they do, you provide constructive criticism, which they just feel is just criticism. And that's why they yeah. leave. And so uh, I took that information and said, I'm going to change. And I didn't, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> so yeah, in right. April of 2015, I told the staff, there was around six of us, uh, that I'm going to go home and work from home now and not micromanage you. And we had someone there a little bit older than the rest of the staff. And I said, you know, she's like a, a mama figure. I said, I'm going to put yeah. her in charge. She's very nurturing. She's sweet. And everybody that was there in 2015, except for one person is still there. And the one person who left stayed three years and said, my goal was only to work here for a year because I was leapfrogging into what my eventual career was. And I only stayed for three years because I loved it so much. And I was just like, wow, wow. you know, getting me out of the day to day operations was a game changer, not just for the staff, but also for me, because I've been able to grow the business probably triple the size it was at that time. Um, because I'm focusing on strategy, education, the things that matter, and not nitpicking how every conversation with a customer should go. Because one of the things the HR consultant said is customers rave about your staff, they're having good experiences, they're getting great customer service, you know, you, 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 you've painted this picture that they're terrible and they're not. Mm. So, I mean, I'm just going to get like really real because I think that yeah. we, we have to have this conversation. I think other people need to hear this conversation. How did that make you feel? I mean, were you, were you pissed off and depressed that like you couldn't be that person or did you just accept? So that? when it came to business, I always just say whatever the numbers or the experts say I'm going with. So I don't, I didn't really take it personal. Um, I, I, I found it kind of liberating because I was always stressed and tied up like a knot. Every yeah. time a customer had a phone call and they said no to a customer, I was like, oh, you could have worded it a different way and not said the word no, <laughs> you know, from a marketing standpoint, that's what I go for. So I leap up after they get off the call, I run to them and say, hey, in the future, instead of just saying no, say, uh, yes, we offer local distribution on top of our national distribution, rather than saying, no, we don't offer just only local distribution. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, I, I, I got over it really quickly. I've learned to trust the numbers in my business um, and, you know, rely on others for guidance. Uh, when I was first doing Google ads, I would like 12 clicks, no orders, I would change the copy. And, you know, there was no statistical relevance to the way that I <laughs> yeah. just reacted blindly. And I took yeah. a, a, 
a course on Google ads and realize that you have to have statistical relevance and a certain number of clicks, a certain number of conversions before you can even start saying something's a winner or a loser. And I, I took that AB split test approach uh, for landing pages and applied it to really several elements in my business. Um, uh, we used to send a shock and awe package to new customers. We spent like $50, $60 on it. Had a lot of Baltimore memorabilia, crabs and crab chips and all kinds of fun stuff because we were from the Baltimore area. And and I yeah. thought it was amazing. And some other people did too. Like people would, you know, post it on their blog. This is great. But one person came back and said, hey, Mickey, just, you know, no offense. I find it kind of non unprofessional. And uh, hmm. that surprised me. But rather than get mad, yeah. I said, let's test it. So uh, I yeah. started from that point. Uh, half the new customers received the shock and awe box. The other half just received a book and the welcome letter with a picture of the staff welcoming them to e-releases. And then we looked at the lifetime value of them at one year and we continued to monitor it. But basically the lifetime value of the people who just received the books triple what the lifetime value of was the people who got the shock and awe package. We were spending $50 more sending them stuff than sending the book. That's crazy. Uh, but know. you know, uh, we just split tested it. It took about six months to get enough numbers to be statistically relevant, but it was looking pretty clear, uh, you know, within yeah. a year that this is yeah. uh, definitely the, the shock and awe package is it, it, it turns some people off. It says, you know, I want a professional press release company to send my stuff out. I don't want some silliness. And and, and I think that that's yeah, the way right. I was coming across. It was yeah. just too, yeah, too che cheesy per se right out of the gate. And they were like yeah. looking for professional, high level, high experience. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I never, I've honestly never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. And technically, you I mean, you could reserve that for a customer appreciation gift after the client's been with you for an extended period of time if you really wanted to still do sure. that. And then maybe it wouldn't feel the same because they'd be like, oh, we've got some rapport. Mm -hmm. Th that's, that's Mickey. That's how they are. They're kind of fun. They're silly. Right. Oh, that was a, that was a thoughtful gift versus right out of the gate where maybe it wasn't necessary that quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's interesting because there's this book I read called the automatic customers all about subscription based business models. And they talk about how the first 90 days of onboarding in a, they were talking about SaaS models, but just in general, any business is subscription based like that 90 days is the most important to prevent future churn. And so I always kind of took it the same, probably the same way as you, which is like, we've got to like really go above and beyond in those first 90 days. Like we do not want to lose them. And so we actually do something similar. We don't have. You know, like obviously it's Texas. I mean, I don't know what I'd even put in there, like a, a Whataburger memorabilia and like some Bucky's <laughs> beaver nuggets or something. But we uh, we just send out this little beefy box that has like a coffee mug, a notebook, some pins. So I guess that's a little bit more on the professional sure. side. Um, but I would probably say the same. I get like a mixed review. Some people reach out to me and they're like, hey, that was so that was so thoughtful. Thank you for sending it. And some people I never even hear from that they got it. And it was like, well, that sucks. That was a sixty. That was a fifty dollar box crazy. or whatever. You know. <laughs> It's also funny to me, and I think this goes back to like the experiences that you were having whenever you were in that hiring kind of challenge and kind of your, yourself was your, you yourself were in the way of the business growth is yeah. that it's so hard for business owners to understand, including myself. Like I'm not just saying hey, you, all of you guys suck and I'm great. Like including <laughs> me, I think one of the biggest challenges that we experience is that things that we think are important or things that we think matter really don't sometimes, right? right. Just like you were able to kind of step away and see like, well, damn, like I was giving all that feedback and I was working myself up and I was getting stressed out. But the reality was 
they're being more successful without that. And they're probably mm. learning that on their own. They're having that self-realization that like, oh, there's something else we can offer here. There's something else we could promote here. So once you, okay, once you got past that piece, right? You, you, you got some nice employees, you got people there with you. Like what was the next big challenge that you faced? Um, I think the next big challenge was just facing how big do you want to grow? Um, because you know, we're about 10 employees right now and it seems like the larger you grow, the headaches grow as well. And so, yeah, sure. uh, you know, I, I have pushed back or pulled back a little bit on some of my marketing efforts. Cause I feel like I'm in a really great size. Uh, I do like the idea of continued growth. I, you know, quarter over quarter, year over year, things like that. But I don't think I want to be a $20 million a year business. We're at $6 million, uh, approximately a year in revenue, a little bit more. Um, and, and I don't think I want to be a $20 million business. I don't, I don't see myself in a $20 million a year business. Yeah. It's just the headaches of it. So I just have to you know, be mindful of that because uh, as, as we've grown, it looks like you know, 10, 10 million could be attainable in a few years, but we'll, we'll just wait and see. But I, I do think trying to carve out what, you're, what, you, what you are passionate about and what, what you wanna do and what kind of company you want to be. And for, uh, you know, for me, my whole reason for being was to help small businesses reach journalists. And uh, you know, we added the Newswire distribution to our service. Um, uh, I had someone yesterday say, why would I use you guys rather than go directly to PR Newswire? And I'm like, because you'll pay triple the cost at PR Newswire for what you get through us. <laughs> yeah, you will. And they're like, yeah. how did you swing that? And that's an interesting story. They reached out to me uh, over 15 years ago and said, hey, we see that you send press releases via email. Uh, would you add a Newswire distribution to it? And I'm just like, I don't see how it's possible. At the time, they were charging over $1,200 to move a press release nationally. And I just said, yeah. look, my customers at the time were paying $250 for an email-only distribution. And I don't think that they have the pockets. You know, These are entrepreneurs, small mom and pops, startups. They just don't have you know, $1,500. And surprisingly, you know, we, we both put our thinking caps on. I flew out and met them. And one of the things I noticed is they had an editorial team and they mentioned that they had a few people that were there overnight, but they don't do much. And I was just like, well, how about if I set up my press releases for next business day and your overnight editorial team, which isn't very busy unless there's breaking news or something, uh, they, wor they work on the releases, so there's no additional labor. And they said, oh, we like that. And so we went back and forth. They said that they wanted to you know, help and foster small businesses. Some of them will grow big and want all the premium services that the newswire has and graduate to them. Uh, but for, for, for this clientele, it, it was, you know, new, new revenue for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, also helping small businesses. So I feel really passionate about that. You know, there's nobody else out there giving people the deal that they're getting that, uh, you know, through e-releases. And I see clients who, you know, because of the leverage of PR get like lots of media pickup and it makes this really significant, um, difference to their business. And, you know, that excites mm -hmm. me. And when I put out ideas for, uh, you know, doing strategic types of press releases and the few people that follow those uh, I, and I see them succeed, I'm like, yes, you know, it, it's, it's working. So <laughs> it, it is something that I feel that 
I, I, I'm passionate about. I love helping small businesses. But there's also part of me that after a while has disconnected a little bit from some stuff. I used to take it, you know, I, I have a free masterclass where I, I teach all the uh, strategies of types of press releases that work and get media attention. At the same time, I have customers continually sending out a new hire press release that does nothing. And I'm just like, have you taken the class? And they're like, no, they no, haven't please. taken it. I'm like, I'm giving it <laughs> like, to you. Stop wasting free. money. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, is, it is disappointing, but I don't take that stuff personal anymore. I know that there are just people, they're in certain mindsets and some people they're just crossing stuff off a list and they just don't have the bandwidth to devote an hour to a free masterclass. But uh, yeah, right. or, or they've got somebody higher up the ladder that's ch- telling them to do it and they're just trying to get their job right. done, right? right? Like, they they might not want to fight the battle of trying to explain that hey this is not wor-. it's like oh you're gonna pay the bill all right Roger that I'm just gonna yep. I'll just take care of whatever you told me to take care of Mr. Right. Boss but yeah. but I think you're right I think there's a lot of people out there that don't I mean I'm guilty of this like taking the time to sit down and learn and develop new skills so that you can better invest your time energy and money and if they would do that with your master class I'm sure that they would better the the outcome of these press releases would be far more valuable yeah, absolutely right? um. Yeah, the, uh, the whole idea that you, you brought up there about like not wanting to be a $20 million company or whatever, it's so okay. funny that you say that because I, I've i told somebody that recently. I was like, you know, $10 million company, I think that's good for people. That, like, for me, like <laughs> I'd be happy with that, you know? But I don't know if I would feel the same way when I got there. Like I, I would hope that maybe I would just like put that like goal and be like, okay, that's where we're at. And if we grow past that, that's cool and we'll take it. But like I'm not going to like – work my butt off to try to like exceed that but then the reality sets in and i know how excited of an entrepreneur i get like i just get that like you know oh we're doing this like we should do that Mm -hmm. i'm just afraid that when i do hit 10 mil i'm gonna be like let's keep going all right to the moon right let's just go you know the moon um but you're right like it's intimidating as hell like i know what it's like to i have a team of seven i think total six or seven total um plus contractors that we've, you know, worked with for years. And I'm that's a that's a lot already. And I'm like that's enough responsibility <laughs> because at the end of the day like it comes down to us. Like we're the deciding factor to some extent if these people get paychecks and if they their families are fed and if their insurance benefits are covered and it it's a, it's a it's a heavy I don't want to call it burden, responsibility mm-hmm. um that I think when people are getting into business, I don't think people like put a lot of weight into how much work there is. People just think entrepreneurship equals, you know, Freedom. every day off, you know, pictures by a private jet, you know, it's like, dude, that's, that's not Gosh. real. Like business yeah. is hard work, like a yeah. lot of hard work. Do yeah. you feel like you're ever still on that roller coaster, or do you feel like you've kind of finally gotten past the phase of like, cause I know that I feel like I'm a little bit out of it, but I still feel it sometimes where it's like, okay, we, we, we made the risk of hiring a new person. You know, I say risk, but you're just like, okay, I think this is going to work out. Like <laughs> I need this person because like we're busy, but then it's like, well, the revenue is not necessarily right where we need it to be to make that make sense. You know, how do you, how do you personally manage that of like knowing that you need to invest a lot more money into your business, whether it's people or processes, equipment, education, whatever, and not having a hundred percent certainty that it's going to pan out. Like, is that just a, I think that I just intuitively kind of know what's going to work and what is a a crapshoot and I'm hoping for the best. (laughs) Like when I did Facebook advertising, 
before I got booted off Facebook during the pandemic. Oh gosh. Uh, their, their technology algorithm detected that I had something to do with loans. Maybe the name Elises is part of e-releases. And oh, so it, it got weird. flagged and nobody during the pandemic could like switch it back. And uh, I, I had oh, wow. a guy who says he has several hundred million dollars of accounts under him and he has direct phone numbers at Facebook. He called them and they looked into it and said, yeah, nobody knows how to cut that back on. And uh, wow. they, they said at six months it's permanently locked, but I was spending 40,000 a month on Facebook. Wasn't making much money from it, but I was, I was, I was a serious marketer. I felt like I was getting yeah. really close to figuring it out, trying different audiences, doing different funnels, uh, trying to warm them up. And, you know, I, I felt like I was making progress, but I, I still hadn't been profitable with it, but it was, it was, you know, that's kind of, that was kind of frustrating because it's like, I know Facebook's stock has, has, has been around the block a little bit lately and you know, yeah. Hey, that was half a million dollars a year. You just said no to because your, your, your smart <laughs> right. algorithm just cut me off. And, and that's really, it was just really a bizarre experience. Cause I just felt like, Oh, okay. I'll get back on tomorrow. This, they'll figure it out as soon as yeah. they see it. You know, yeah. there's an appeal process. The appeal process was nothing. They right. said that there was nobody to monitor the appeal process. It just automatically after 48 hours kicked back a, sorry, denied. So I, I that's, yeah, just that's, that's, that's frustrating. So there's things you control and things you don't control. Um, fortunately, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, most of our new customers come from referrals, uh, which is great you know, that people love us enough to, to share with other people mm -hmm. and just tell them organically. Um, we also have a blog that we've been doing for tw you know, almost 20 years with over a thousand articles, generates a lot of traffic. Uh, Google Analytics says it generates no revenue for you, all of these pages. And I'm just like, huh, like, you know, 40,000 people visit these pages Google. and none of them turn into customers. So I, I signed up for a service, um, actually contract for the lifetime of a visitor and it they don't use cookies but they sort of create a fingerprint for everybody that visits the website mm -hmm. and then they track that person ongoing now it's expensive but you know uh yeah. after six months it said it's generated sixty thousand dollars and i was just like well that makes sense you know and they can actually yeah, tell you way who the person that. is you know yeah. by the identifier of the order and stuff like that so um you, you have to be careful who you trust because uh, Google's going to tell you, hey, the only thing working is advertising with us. Just Pay keep that, it up. Baby. Just yeah. Keep it up. Well, the that... guy with the hammer, every problem's a nail, you know? <laughs> Man, that that part of marketing is just a pain in the butt. Like, like the the people that take the most money from us in terms of, like, ads, ad dollars now in the modern world, Facebook, you know, Meta, we'll call it Meta because Facebook, Instagram, Google – Yet there's not a lot of human touch in that world. Right. Mm. Like what? Like how? Like how is it that we can spend that much money on advertising and not have a point of contact to manage that yeah. account? And for someone to look at it and say, "Oh yeah, you're, you're totally right. This is a that's a totally mistake on our part. We got you taken care of, bud." Like imagine if you know, uh, I don't know, Gannett or uh, any of these massive billboard companies. You know, uh, yeah. if if they just it was all robot. Oh, we saw your ad copy that you wanted to put on a billboard was wrong. How much money per year would they lose in revenue? Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that 
some companies become so caught up in just the the giant wheel, the giant og, that -hmm. they forget that there's humans behind the screen that their businesses depend on it. Like it's you're spending forty thousand dollars a month. Not only were you putting a lot of money into their business, but in some ways it could have been contributing a lot to your business. And for that to just be like unplugged overnight and there's like no recourse or no way of fixing it, mm-hmm. that's just stupid. Like, and I see why people are like jaded about doing at running, running ads because yeah. it's scary. It's a risk. Right. But to some extent you got to try it. What, what would you say from a marketing perspective? Like what marketing things have you done in your business to see results? I mean, obviously you just talked about referrals, um, you know, what other areas have you seen success in, in terms of moving the um, doing, um, seasonal sales? Um, I do a, a semi-annual sale it started as an annual sale where I offer packages of press releases at like phenomenal pricing and, uh, it's only to existing customers and they're supersized press releases with a lot of extra words and lots of categories and things like that. And, uh, when I started that, I was in that marketing mastermind and that was one of the suggestions that someone gave me. And it's like, hey, that's probably responsible for now for more than a million dollars in revenue, uh, just doing that, you know, because people love sales. And yeah, they uh, do. if you can get them to buy a pack of five, 10, or even 25 press releases, they're committed. They're gonna do a lot of different press releases. Hopefully they'll listen to me on doing the right kind. Uh, but you know, yeah. the people who have the most success with PR are the ones who stick with it. And so that's why I try to make the packages as affordable as possible. I, you know, I, I may only make the profit on selling a five pack that I would on selling like two at regular price or something like that. But the the thing is I'm rewarding customers and I'm turning them into buyers and even more importantly, users of the service. Um, I never found a way to get uh, a, a subscription model to work in my business. Uh, we tried monthly fees, we tried quarterly, you know, lots of different ways to sort of attack it. But the thing is, most small businesses don't need to do a press release a month. And every yeah, month, yeah, so, exactly. Uh, we, we tried it quarterly. You can do a press release quarterly, it's $99 a month, and it didn't work. Um, so I just, try to do as much as I can to get these packages in front of people and get them to buy because it really does result in a lot of uh, people who get excited again about PR because they mm-hmm. like, this is a great deal. And it was a great deal. Why would and I then not they're, And then yeah. they're, then they're yeah. faced with the task of how, what are these five press releases going to be about? And you know, that gets them thinking about different angles and hooks and things like that. That's which is honestly invigorating for businesses. Like sometimes you just need to be pushed out of your comfort zone and like reminded that like, Hey, we need to take a different approach. So I really like that too. I mean, it builds retention, it builds loyalty. And based on the fact that, you know, a big portion of your business comes from referrals, like loyalty is so important, right? right? Um, what, do you guys have like a full affiliate program? Like how does y'all, do y'all actually have a, like a, like a loyalty program? We don't have have a loyalty program. I've, we have, what I've done is I sent out emails and say, if the person we have a field that says, how did you hear about us? And it's, there's a open field that they can write it in. And we say, if someone puts your name down, you get a free press release. Very few people ever do that. But when we talk to them, they're just like, Oh, a friend of mine recommended it. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, somebody it's always yeah. something. Or I, I was at a conference and someone mentioned you guys and said, I should really check you out. You had a lot of great education. And so, uh, you know, we don't have uh, that. But we do have an affiliate program, um, and um, it's at eReleases.com slash affiliates. 
and uh, we pay for each new customer that comes in. Uh, basically, about almost fifty percent of of the revenue that comes in off that first one, we're willing to lose money on the initial customer uh, coming in, uh, in the hopes that they'll turn into a, a long term customer. That's that's good. I, I think that that I hear a lot of businesses. This is something we've brought up in previous episodes. I had this like thought one day that, you know, if, if SEO is working, like if you're noticing, oh, I'm getting a lot of business from organic, you would put more money to SEO. If you were, you know, uh, paid ads were doing well, you, you know, obviously I'm going to put more money to paid ads. And then so many businesses tell me, oh, we get the majority of our businesses from referrals. And it's like, cool. How are you investing in that? And most business owners will say, oh, we pay out if they refer us. Well, I'm like, that's not investing in a referral program. That's just the bonus of someone signing up. And like, I, I've really tried to take that like personally into heart for my own business. Cause I'm, I'm the same way. We get a lot of business from referrals. How can you make it easier for your existing customers to share what it is that you're doing in your case, you guys have an affiliate program. So I'm sure people have like links and different resources they can use sure. to promote and share, you know, but we've, we've tried to even take it like a step further and like, we can find like who our like key stakeholder, like our, our high level affiliates would be and send them like out an actual affiliate package. Like, Hey, here's a. Mm-hmm. Here's a shirt. Here's some business cards that you can drop off with people. Here's a pre-written email script that you can email your your you know contacts. Um, we actually there's a website. If I can find it, Vicky, I'll send it to you because I think it's really cool. I found actually, John, do you remember those two ah those two guys with the little emojis? You sent me that podcast. Okay, uh, we'll find it. It's this really cool page where growth.design, Is that it? It, it might have been. I'll have to look. It was this really crazy thing where somebody can literally fill out this form with obviously their person's, you know, the friend's name, the friend's email address. And then there's like a lot of automation built behind it so that that can be automated. Um, but the whole the way they built their landing page out was like really cool because they made it like, hey, click this button to copy this pre-created social media you know, post create, cl- click this button to copy this pre-created email template you can send to your your colleagues or friends. And I was like, oh, we should be using that for every one of our clients should have a, a program yep. like this on their website. So we'll, I'll make sure we send that to you, but that's, that's really cool. I, I was curious too, like, you know, as we've been talking kind of a full circle here, we talk about PR and I feel like some businesses are out there like hesitant to spend a lot of money on marketing because maybe they're just like getting going or maybe they've had bad experiences in the past. And they just don't know where to spend. I mean, how can, how can small business owners get local media coverage without spending money? I mean, I know that that's a topic that you sure. cover. So it's really uh, easy. Um, it's, you know, being familiar with the local paper. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a business magazine or business newspaper, figure out who writes about your industry in those publications. Reach out to them and ask for their email address. They are members of the media. They will give it to you. They, very rarely they say, "Oh no, that's restricted." You know, it's not like you're trying to contact the CEO of Apple. And so, yeah, uh, there, there might be, you know, probably for most people under six contacts that you'll have to build. Um, if there's TV or radio that does segments on businesses or spotlights, you might want to reach out and find out who the producer or booker of that segment is, and get their email address as well. And then it's just a matter of sending them, uh, you know, an introduction. Uh, you don't have to write a press release. Um, you just have to say, "Hey, um, my name's so and so. I'm with a local company. Um, I've seen a big trend in my industry where people are talking about this, and we're implementing some of that as well. And I feel like we'd be a great, you know, subject to talk to you about. If you want to, put a great quote in there." 
because a journalist, if he sees an amazing quote, he can build a whole article around it. Um, so I feel like that's one of the things that you can do in there and then just pitch, you know, pitch, uh, at least quarterly, but you know, more frequently if you have more ideas and, uh, what the people that do this say is after a while, we don't have to send emails anymore. They contact us. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're doing a story on this. Could we get a quote from you? Uh, your, your feelings about this merger or this thing that's going on. Mm. It's because you've become front of mind to them. They've developed a relationship and just be human with them. Uh, you know, if you've read an article that you really liked, you could actually even say, I really liked how you covered, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, just be honest and, you know, have some integrity and, you know, share your unusual story. If you have a, a path that's unusual or you've had crazy little obstacles with your business, you know, people love those stories. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to be who you are. So many small companies want to appear larger than they are. And sometimes the, some of the biggest things, benefits that you have is that you're small and, and lean. But you are small. And, yeah. and you right. can easily pivot and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, too, like there's this huge movement of supporting small businesses and shopping local. So it's like, to some extent, PR, you know, uh, you know, uh, publicists or publicists, not the right word, journalists are looking for those small business stories. They want to hear about somebody who's got like a, you know, came up from the bottom to the top kind of grassroots mm-hmm. effort story because it's more relatable. Right. Right. And more relatable means that more people are going to engage in that conversation and, and engage in that and, content. And journalists, so that, that's great yeah, advice. Journalists act as gatekeepers and they love being mm-hmm. seen as curators of like, here's this little undiscovered gem that I'm sharing with my audience. And that's one of the things mm-hmm. that people love about certain, you know, columnists and editors and, and writers is, you know, hey, I, I follow this guy because everything he says about, Apple or iOS is just really great. And every, all the, you know, apps that he recommends are really top notch. And, you know, people get a reputation for finding little undiscovered gems. And so your small Mm -hmm. unknown company could ideally be perfect for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I have one more question, like one more business related question for you, because it's been a hot topic around our agency lately, which is like the power of automation. Um, automation is something that a, well, first of all, like I'm a nerd for automation, like seriously a nerd. Like I I know a lot about it to the extent that our team recently developed our own like software for our small businesses to be able to use to handle marketing automation, text callback, all that fun stuff. And so I was curious, how can automation be put into play with PR? Are you seeing that in your own business? Are you seeing that in the clients that you work with? I'm not seeing it a lot with the clients that we work with. I do utilize, uh, you know, marketing automation with my customers, following up with them. Uh, when I notice that they haven't done a press release in a certain amount of time, trying to give them ideas mm-hmm. to, you know, to get them thinking about uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the actual, uh, you know, most most of PR is still done you know, just matchmaking press releases with journalists and then hoping that they turn it into a story. Um, there is, you know, it's it's harder to figure out when the articles get written because journalists don't often tell you, hey, we just covered you, here's the link to the article. Um, so we have to do a little bit of work and Google News only picks up about 60% of the news sources. 
surprisingly. Yeah. The ones they don't pick <laughs> up so weird. are usually still in Google Web. So uh, we have some VAs that sort of go through uh, Google News searches, Google Web searches, looking for clients. And we're, we're able to find a lot. I'd love to use a clipping service, but clipping services want $1,500 to $2,500 a month per client. And that's just, you know, oh my my, I'm like, my clients yeah. can barely afford a $400 press release. Press release. Yeah. You know, what you're quoting them is just, you know, that's for the Fortune 500 or, you know, much larger right. businesses. That's right. Um, so we just do it sort of this old school way, um, but it works. And um, I, I have a VA um, in India that we've worked with for like 15 years now. And uh, it's, it's, you know, his, his, his lifestyle has been changed uh, by us being able to That's help so him. Cool. And, you know, he's become Facebook friends with the entire staff. And it's just, it feels like, That's it feels awesome. like, it feels like he's part of the e-releases family, even though yeah. we've never physically met face to face. That's really yeah. cool. We, we have a designer that we've used for, I don't know, five, six years who invited me to his wedding in, I think it was, uh, oh, I think it was India as well. And I was like, how like how cool was that? Like I didn't get to go, but I just thought like that's the coolest thing because we do we talk almost every day. We've worked we've worked mm -hmm. with each other for five years, but um, yeah, automation for me like because I, I was thinking about it whenever we were we were scheduling to have this conversation. I was like, man, I use automation to do so much other stuff. For example, when a when a when a when a client's website is launched, one of the automated processes we have is to look at their onboarding documentation about their name, their likes, maybe their favorite author, and then I've got it integrated with ChatGPT to actually write them like a like a hey, you know, congratulations on the launch of your website, blah 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 blah. It'll even use some of that information, use a quote from their favorite author, some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It writes a, a letter for them, and then I've got it integrated through a, a Zapier integration with a company called. Um, Simply Noted, I've used Simply Noted and Handwritten both, but Handwritten and Simply Noted, what they do is they have robots that will actually handwrite a card for you with a little robot machine with a pin, and uh, they put a real stamp on it, and they mail it out to your client on your behalf. Uh -huh. So at the end of every new client project, my client gets a note from me that looks handwritten, personalized to them, and I don't... I mean, I click a button. I literally press like complete this task and it happens. And I was thinking, how cool would it be if every time we launched a website, mm -hmm. we had a press release go out automatically to announce right. the launch of this new website and to really highlight this business and what they're bringing to the community. Um, do y'all have any plans or do y'all have any integrations through any of those tools like Zapier or anything we like that? We don't currently, no. But it sounds like a no great worries. idea. I was curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was thinking that would be that would be really cool. Do y'all work with a lot of agencies? I mean, I know we you do. work with a lot of we small do work businesses. With, um, okay, a lot of small PR firms and marketing firms and SEO companies as well, um, and they all sort of have different goals. Some of them work on behalf of clients. Some just are just putting out the content themselves. Um, that's that's really cool. Yeah, we there's another company we've used in the past for press release distribution and. Honestly, you get what you pay for. Like, I, I have to say that. Like, you guys are very affordable comparatively to PR Newswire, but but you guys also get the benefit and value of PR right. Newswire, right? Um, whereas some of these companies that I've seen are used in the past, like, they might be cheap, but you definitely know that it's yeah. cheap. The quality of writing is Most cheap. Most of the cheaper the services only give you syndication. So your press release That's gets right. replicated mm -hmm. on a bunch of little websites, but they're usually 
um, subdomains of a website and they're not even places uh, that it's not even getting yeah, attention. Nobody's really yeah. looking at it, but you get a bunch of links and some people use them just to put as seen on. And there's like a, these local yep. Fox news affiliates and CBS and ABC and things like that. So it, it serves a purpose, but no journalist sure. actually looked mm -hmm. at the press release and said, Hey, I'm going to write an All article right. about these guys. And which that's the right. whole point. Like it, it should be, it is. right? Totally should be. Is there any tools or software that you feel like uh, small business owners can use to help with PR, whether it's from a writing perspective or a PR outreach or pitching themselves? Is there any tools that you guys use in your business or you recommend to your clients? I think ChatGPT is really useful. Um, if, if you don't use it for writing a whole press release, I think that organizing your thoughts, um, like uh, brainstorming, like, could you give me 20 ideas or hooks for a company that's doing X, Y, and Z with, and then just like what your big milestones of late are and just see what it comes up with. Because I, I found that, yeah, there's a lot of garbage um, or things that I feel like, yeah, that's not going to work, but it, it will get you thinking and get, you know, it, it's like a collaborative brainstorming session. And I think that Chat yeah. GPT is really powerful for that. It's really great at organizing. Um, I, I, you know, if, if, uh, if I, I know what a blog post is going to be about, it's like how, you know, what topics would you cover under a blog post about this? Those are usually really good, very well organized. It gives you a list of, of what to cover. And so I, I think that it, it is uh, something that could really help you from your writing standpoint, uh, albeit from the press release, or if you're working on blogs, uh, maybe even putting together a personal pitch to a journalist, uh, local media or something like that. Uh, maybe if you're not a wordsmith or you, you really don't know how to say it where it sounds professional, mm -hmm. you could have it write it for you. Um, I know a lot of people who said, I've never been a great writer, so I just write what I normally send people, put it there and say, make this better. <laughs> and uh, it rewrites yeah. it. And yep. it's so much professional. He said, people have noticed. They're like, wow, you know, this is a lot more professional uh, of a message that like, I'm getting from you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Dad, that, I think that um, one of the things I just recently discovered with the prompts, and honestly, like, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this, John, you're going to have to hold me to it. Right, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to create a free resource to go along with this episode with some pre-created chat GPT prompts that will help people mm. with their PR. Uh, Nikki, maybe you and I could co-brand it if sure. you're interested, but um, what I'm thinking is one of the prompts that I discovered the other day is you can actually tell chat GPT how to act or what to act like. So yeah. I can literally prompt it to say, Hey, I want you to act like a publicist and I want you to come up with a pitch for me to promote X company, I'm just going to use a barbecue company, uh, the launch of a brand new barbecue company in small town USA, right? right? I need a hook. I need an email. I need a social media post and I need a press release. And it will create all of that content just like that. And it will write it as if it was pitching it because it mm -hmm. knows it's a publicist. And I actually tried this by putting in a prompt that said, I want you to act like a um, I think I said travel planner or tra uh, travel something like that advisor. And I want you to help me come up with three things to do and three places to stay in Wyoming. And sure enough, here are three popular hotels on Airbnb. Here are three most popular things to do while you're there. And I was like, this is so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. And so you can prompt it to do stuff like that. So John, hold me to it, brother. Before this episode releases, we'll put together a really cool chat GPT resource that is going to be available in the show notes. It'll be downloadable PDF that will help you guys just copy and paste. If you've never done ChatGPT, we'll even put a little explanation of what the hell ChatGPT is because I know a lot of business owners out there may have may not know, I, may not even know yet. Like I've showcased it to a few people, and when I show them, they're just like, 
like heads are exploding. I just showed a client a couple days ago that has an auto shop and he sells classic and um, like high end luxury vehicles mm-hmm. on these like, you know, auto auction websites. And he's like, dude, I'm terrible at writing the, the descriptions. And so I showed him what to do and it like perfect format bullet points mm-hmm. the you know all the description and he was like bro you just saved my life and i was like <laughs> cool never cancel <laughs> like never cancel your services with me please um all right mickey you know the drill man we have to end the episode off with a business growth hack Hacks! all right what do you got for us if you could leave us with one business growth hack something that people can do today in their businesses what would it be i think uh you reach out to your existing customers and check in with them um, that's something that we took for granted for a long time. And surprisingly, there are a lot of opportunities that are out there for additional revenue and, and, and working with people. And you won't know unless you have conversations with your customers. And they're going to be the first to let you know when they feel something's not working as well as it has in the past. Mm. And it's one of the things that you know, we started doing recently and it's really making a difference. We're getting a lot of really good data. You get some bad data as well, but it's, it's, it's really a game changer because you take these people for granted. Oh, they've used us for six years. They'll just continue to use us. Uh, but their needs are changing Mm -hmm. and they've got questions and, uh, it's really a great time to just check in. Yeah. hundred percent. You don't realize just, I mean, it was just like the one I had a couple days ago when I talked to that guy and we just caught up, he was like, there was more opportunity for me. And I, and I didn't call for a new sales opportunity. I called really genuinely just to check sure. in. And that conversation went so far. He was happy. I was happy. We high-fived about the fact that we've been working together for nearly 10 years. I mean, it's it's cool to celebrate those milestones with your clients. I think you're, mm-hmm. you're right. I think we, we forget to do that sometimes. So great advice. Mickey, I'm glad we got to have a fresh conversation today about some other things. And I hope maybe in a year from now, we'll get you back again and we'll do it again. We'll see what's happening. Maybe you're going to be putting out a brand new book. I don't know. Maybe you'll do something that we have to share. We have to tell people about. We're going to have you back on because it's always fun. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hey, and obviously I've got to give you the floor. Can you promote anything you've got? Your websites, So I have that free masterclass I'm always promoting. It's a great place for anybody to start. Do an audit of your business. What are some uh, strategies that you could use for PR that would probably work? And that's at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And again, it's completely free. Cool. I'll Sounds add that in good. the show notes. Perfect. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com. Dickhead. Dickhead.